Amen. Thank you so much for that. Great job, man. If you have your Bibles, would you open them, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And, and, and if you have a cell phone, if you'd be so kind. Look, I'm already getting mockery texts. Look, look. Because I, all I asked them to do was give. And look, here's all these carloads of people fleeing, just like Jonah, fleeing, fleeing and heading away from Nineveh. And they're, yeah, they're going to be swallowed by the whale. I guarantee you. I just hope they don't throw them off the cruise ship. And uh, I'm just kidding. Thank you so much. But we're in 1 Corinthians uh, tonight. And this will be a new series we'll be in for a while. Uh, I just love the books of 1 and 2 Corinthians. Great, great books. When you kind of get a feel for what's going on in this book, it makes a whole lot more sense. So if you're uh, still looking for it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. And so we're going to look down and uh, just highlight some of this first chapter here. And we could call this going forward in church or going forward as a church. And that's our theme for the year, go forward. Let's look at the uh, text here, if you would, just for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 1. Paul, and I always love it in the Bible where God just has him, he's just Paul. Uh, He could have been Dr. Paul. He could have been uh, Pharisee or Sanhedrin religious leader, but he just, it was just Paul. When you serve, you don't need a title. Uh, It's just, it's enough, like the guy saying, just to be a Christian, just to be a Christian. So Paul called, now here's his calling, to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Who were these apostles? Uh, Jesus had many followers. Uh, Those that followed him closely were called disciples. But out of the disciples that followed him, you you remember the story, he prayed all night and he chose 12 of them to be with him all the time. And those were called apostles. It meant chosen or anointed ones, only 12. And you would know the names, Peter, James, John, Thomas, um, Solomon, Hezekiah, Hey Jude. Uh, I, I forget. Uh, anyway, but it was 12 of them, uh, trying, to, trying to wake you up a little bit. Uh, so it was 12, and so Judas ended up taking his life, and so it was 11. And so Paul ended up saying, I was an apostle born out of due season. So God is never caught off guard. The bench is never empty when the quarterback retires. He's always got someone that's, that's been trained. And so it was the Apostle Paul that actually took Judas's place. So what was special about these apostles? Uh, Jesus gave them power to cast out devils, to raise the dead, and to heal all manner of sickness. So these apostles were what we would call the advanced team. When Billy Graham was doing his crusades around the world, he had what he called advanced teams. And it took two years to get ready for him to come to town. They had billboards they rented. They had prayer meetings. They had church meetings. They trained the counselors. They rented the stadium. They trained the 2,000 choir members. I mean, uh, all this work for him to show up and say, open your Bibles. And so uh, the apostles, they would preach, they would do miracles, and they would talk about this Jesus whose name was not in the Bible yet because the New Testament wasn't written. 
So when Jesus did show up, the multitudes came. So that's who this Paul was, an apostle. It says, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. It was God's plan. And Sosthenes, we don't know much about him, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, which is at Corinth. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll look at one other passage here. Father, bless this uh, evening. Give us something from thy word. You said the word of God is for, written for our prophet. So that means something in this chapter is here to help us. It's to teach or rebuke or correct or encourage us. So I pray that you would help us to pay attention uh, to what it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you will, stick your finger there just for a second. And let's look back at Acts 18. So where did this church at Corinth come from? And a little geographical uh, uh, map here. Uh, if, uh, if you can find Greece, uh, Corinth was actually a seaport town an hour away from Athens. Uh, there was a time when Paul actually stood on a foreign planet. You know, you know, sometimes we talk about, is there life on Mars? Paul actually went to Mars Hill. It's in Greece. It's called Mars Hill. It's a little hill. Okay, some of you are saying, what? Man, where's pastor going? I mean, Paul was on Mars? Yeah, Mars Hill. And so Paul actually ended up in Athens, Greece, it was a very educated area. A lot of uh, people that said they gathered just to exchange information, hear something new or tell something new. And that's when Paul saw this, 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 this yard or this, uh, these grounds of monuments to the different, excuse me, to the different gods, Jupiter, to Venus, to the Greek gods, to these other gods. And then they even had a monument that said to the unknown God. You know, they had to cover them all. I was soul winning in Browns Valley years ago and I started to knock on the door and I noticed a Virgin Mary statue in the yard. I said, hmm. And then I got a little closer to the door and I saw a Buddha statue next to the door. Then I started to knock and they had that Jewish symbol. What is it on the door? What do you call it? mezuzah okay a mezuzah that has the commandments in it so I'm thinking okay here's the Virgin Mary here's Buddha here's the Jews knock on the door and they open the door we're not interested and I said excuse me so so what about these statues you know three and here's what they said just in case (laughs) I said so you're not Jewish you're not Buddhist you're not Catholic just just in case that's kind of what Paul ended up seeing They had all the bases covered and one just in case. And he said to the unknown God, he scratched his head. I'm thinking and said, that's the God I want to talk to you about. The unknown God, because you don't know him. And he's forecast in the Old Testament. He's always been. He came to the earth, born of a virgin. His name's Jesus. And he preached Jesus unto them. So notice here in Acts 18 and looking down in verse one, after these things, Paul's on a journey. Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla. You like that? See, find someone whose name rhymes with yours, Aquila and Priscilla. 
That means, you know, you're a match made in heaven. Okay. And uh, so he says, uh, uh, because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, persecution, and came unto them. Because he was of the same craft, that's Paul, he abode with them and wrought, for by occupation they were tent makers. You could say these people worked construction. They were in the mobile home business. Get it? Forget it. Boy, y'all are just slow tonight. Tents, you pick them up, you move, mobile home. Forget it. For by their, so, so Paul knew how to make tents. Paul had a craft. He didn't just preach. When, the, uh, when he didn't have love offerings, when he ran out of money, he stopped, gathered materials, he sold something, he made a tent, sold it, then he had money to travel to the next city. So he, was at, he had a craft. Verse four, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, that's Saturday. Who's in the synagogue? Starts with the letter J, the Jews. All the unsaved Jews who had either not heard of Jesus and not been saved, but they still gathered. They read the Old Testament. They're waiting for the Messiah, the promised son of God to come one day. Well, Paul would just see these pockets and groups of people. So he would show up in the synagogues and say, hey, let me tell you who it is. He's already come. You missed it. He was crucified in Jerusalem. He's and so he would preach. And notice the results. Verse six, uh, excuse me, verse number uh, seven. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God whose house joined hard to the synagogue. This guy, his house, somehow it was like a condo. They shared the wall. So here's the synagogue, the little church building, so, uh, so to speak. His house was a hook to it. And verse eight, and Crispus, the root, chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. That meant Crispus and his whole family, his wife, his kids. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So Paul had some results. Paul preached the gospel and he had some, not everyone got saved, but this guy named Crispus by name, then it said many Corinthians. At this time, the city of Corinth would have been 90,000 people. It was a seaport town, a very educated town. They had a theater for entertainment for, uh, uh, for, for contests, for, for uh, chariot races, if you will, for, for acting and, and singing and uh, uh, things to do like that. They had their own navy at this time, import, export business, very affluent, very educated people. And then it says, verse nine, then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee. No man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months. So a little of the background. We're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 again. So what happened here? A church got planted. A church got started in Corinth. You say, well, pastor, uh, what's so important about uh, uh, a church being started? It's the only institution Jesus ever began while he was on earth, he started one thing, and that was the local church. So all the epistles are letters written to the churches, Galatia, uh, Ephesus, uh, Philippi, Thessalonica. All those are letters written to local churches just like ours, uh, uh, just like uh, uh, churches across the world. And 
You say, well, what's, what's, what's big about that? What Jesus started has lasted over 2,000 years. McDonald's, I think, has been around, I don't know, 80 years. Coca-Cola, though it's uh, been around the world, uh, not quite, maybe 100 years old. Hardly any institution lasts thousands of years. But Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, there'll not be anything stop the local church. There will always be local churches on this planet until Christ returns. And so it's a big thing, a big thing. What is the church? It's a place of training. It's a boot camp. Uh, it's uh, the place to train Christian soldiers to go into battle. It's a place to preach the gospel. It belongs to God. Uh, and it's not wrong to say my church, but really it's none of our church. It's, it's his. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church. And that's why it's so important uh, we join a church. We become faithful to a church. Why? Because God loves the church. Uh, he loves the church. And we're not talking about the building. We're talking about the people that compile the church. Uh, and I've said it before. I, I used to visit uh, in Chicago. I'd be on a bus route and we'd knock on a door and a little bus kid would answer the door and he'd say, Mama, the church is here. And I get what he was saying. You know, I wasn't the whole church. I wasn't a building, but someone from the church, the church is here. And that's what happens every time we pass out a, a track. Uh, the church is here. Uh, Saturday, when we went door to door, the church is here. Uh, when the bus routes got visited, it was the church is here. That family from New Zealand said, hey, what's the, what's, what's, what's the bus and the shuttle and all this about? I said, well, let me tell you what that's about. It's go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's what that is. The church, it's a place to baptize. It's a place where God calls out laborers. It was a Joseph Sabater sitting in the pew here and through the months God was just working in his heart and it was the local church where God says, hey you, uh, you're busy here but I want you to be busy in the Philippines. Hey you, you're busy here, I want you busy in Mongolia. Hey you, you're busy here, I want you busy in Bolivia. And God has called out laborers. It's a place to strengthen and encourage. That's why he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Our soul and spirit is the cell phone. The local church is the charger. You can go to heaven without being active in a local church, but you won't be an encouraged Christian. Discouraged Christians are Christians that don't attend a great church. It was Charles Spurgeon uh, someone said, Mr. Spurgeon, I shouldn't have to go to church. I just don't think it's important to go to church. Why is it so important? And the great Charles Spurgeon was standing next to a, a fire, a campfire, and he took some, uh, I always get it mixed up. He took those things that you, spell it. Tongs. He took these tongs and picked up a red hot coal and just held it till it turned gray and cooler and then finally, he picked it up with his hand. He said, that's why every Christian needs to be in a good church. Because if you're not, you soon go from red hot to cool to cold. What's that got to do with me? I don't know. I was, I was talking to them out there. All those people around here tonight. It'll grow your faith. So then faith cometh by hearing. So what's that mean? That means it's more important 
than even reading is to hear. I've read the Bible, I don't know how many times, cover to cover, but I've never read something and said, my whole life has changed. I have been converted. I am turned around because of that. Now, I've had verses speak to me, but it's usually when I hear God's word preached. Faith comes by hearing. I don't know how many times someone's heard a sermon and maybe they came to the altar and said, God's called me to preach or I'm gonna surrender to drive a bus or I'm gonna teach a class. I'm gonna, uh, we make decisions as we hear God's word and that's where that faith comes from. It was the church. It was the Old Testament tabernacle. It was the temple. That's the New Testament church. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Thomas missed one church service. We're still ragging on him ever since. He missed one service. I told Brother Schulte tonight on the phone, I said, Brother Schulte, I said, I know they took you by ambulance to the hospital. We have had a church business meeting. We're voting. You still get the perfect attendance pen because you were in the hospital. He started laughing because we don't even have an attendance pen. It's something about being faithful to God's house. When was it? 19 years ago, we felt like God wanted us to start a church in Oakland, California. I think we shocked the church. I said, I have a little video to show you. We went there and we, we uh, led some souls to Christ and we interviewed people there around Lake Merritt. And uh, right there on Broadway Street, uh, there, uh, the lakes cross the street, there's this United Methodist Church. And we just said, excuse me, we're thinking about starting a new church in Oakland. Would you come? I'd come. I don't go to church anywhere. I haven't been to church in years. Would you be one of our first members? I sure would. Let me know the date. And then we interviewed and interviewed. One guy had two gold teeth. One had a two on it. The other one had a four on it. I said, sir, I'm not trying to be personal, but you know, you know there's a lot of things you could have put on those teeth. Why a two? Why a four? He said, I live on 24th Ave. Oh, I said, well, I'm glad you don't live on Mississippi Avenue, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P. -S 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 -I, I said, you can't remember where you live? You need it on your teeth? We were cutting up laughing. He got saved. And I remember, we passed out tracks. We knocked on doors. We had a little small group come that first Sunday. We rented the United Methodist building. They had their rainbow flag out front because that's, that's their emphasis. I met with the pastor. I saw the pastor and her wife's picture on the wall. Uh, there's the nude painting, nude, N-U-D-E, nude paintings in the hallway. And they said we could rent their building. I said, well, it's the only place we can meet. When people stand by that flag, uh, excuse me, we're just borrowing the building. This isn't our flag and this isn't our painting. Please uh, look this way. And I'll never forget that. And that church is still going on 19 years later. Different locations, same God, same book. It's something powerful about the word of God in the local church. So quickly here, let's see. What is Paul saying to these people here? What's the, what's the, what's the issue here? Uh, what's the lessons? If you know anything about the book of Corinthians, most, most churches would not want to name their church Corinth Baptist Church. In the Bible days, it would be like saying Las Vegas Baptist Church. Or if you know anything about New Orleans, Louisiana, Bourbon Street Baptist Church. 
it would be like that. Because Corinth was known as a very wicked city. Sodom and Gomorrah Baptist Church. So anytime you wanted to insult someone, if you wanted to just, just I mean, just a low blow and just, just be as mean as you could be, you could say, you Corinthian. <laughs> I mean, you think of the worst name you could call someone right now and the worst at this time would be, you Corinthian, you're acting like a Corinth person. Because these people, they had, they had idols that were immoral. And 200 years before Paul visited this city, there were actually people that mixed up immorality with their worship. Never to go into details, but that's, that's who they were. As you look at each chapter, and we'll cover some of these things, but just to highlight it, Paul said in chapter 1, there's a lot of division among you. And then later on in chapter 2, he says, you're acting like a bunch of babies. And then later on, he says, he says, one of you is living with his father's wife as his wife. He said, he said and when you have the Lord's Supper, you're showing up drunk. You're drinking wine, showing up drunk, and you think it's like a feast. It's not the cracker and the juice. It's and, Paul said, and you women look like men. I guess they had that transgender years ago. Mike Johnson told me he's been losing some weight. He said he's identifying as translender. <laughs> anyway, oh, okay. Okay, for the people in the car headed to the cruise, just trying to keep you awake. Just kidding. So all throughout here, there's all these problems. Then they wonder, Paul, are you really an apostle? And then in another place, they couldn't figure out the resurrection. Did Jesus rise from the dead? What about the rapture? What about our new bodies? What is real love? What's the difference in love and lust? I mean, they're all what we would call messed up. So several statements concerning this. I want to give it to you. Number one, God wants us to overcome the baggage in our lives. This may shock you. Corinth was not a bad church. Corinth had a lot of first generation Christians in it. That's all the issue was. They had a lot of baggage because they grew up in Corinth. If you grew up in Texas, is it Austin? Is it Austin? Did you grow up there? Or you just, oh, okay. If you grew up in Texas, and, and you, know, there's always, you know, there's always exceptions. Please don't hold me to this. Well, I used to live in Odessa, Texas, and it was, okay. So, but if you grew up in Texas in the last hundred years, probably your grandpa went to church, and your grandma taught Sunday school, and your daddy was a deacon, and your mother sang in the choir, and you accepted Christ when you were probably six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of age. And you were raised in church. You went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And your great-grandfather was a pastor. And your great-grandmother was a missionary. I mean, you got roots. Christian roots. Bible, got your first Bible when you were born. And you were dedicated in the church. And sang in junior choir. Uh, you were marrying the Christmas play. And you went to teen camp. Went to youth conference. That's Texas. Not California. See here, it's, hey, I got my first Bible today, pastor. I'm 30. 
It's these songs that we sing. It's amazing. What is that again? Grace? How sweet. Yeah, you know, like the most famous Christian song that's ever been written. They've never heard it. It's all brand new. The plan of salvation. I've had people here say, Pastor, I'm not trying to be funny. What is the difference in Christianity and Buddhism? I, I, I understand. What do you mean he rose from the grave? What's that mean? See, we kind of take it for granted. If you were raised in a Christian home and man, it just kind of, not as much baggage. Not going to go into all the detail. I remember a man used to sit here. He said, Pastor, I don't like Mother's Day. You know, you're trying to be nice to the mothers and give them a gift. He said, my earliest recollection was my mother teaching me to shoot up drugs. A man sat here, pastor, I still remember laying in bed and I woke up, my father was doing some kind of a chant over me, a satanic chant, trying to give me some satanic power that Satan would use me. He said, that's how I grew up. He said, I come to this church so I, so you guys can teach me how to be a good dad. He said, I've never seen anything like this. So guess what? So in California, our mission field, there's going to be a lot of baggage. That means people aren't going to all come in. Mom, dad, perfect kids. Everyone's in a tie. Everyone's in a dress. Everybody's in a suit. Everybody's got a Bible. Man, we're just glad they walk in sometimes. Sometimes it's going to be, uh, maybe they're a little high or they've been drinking alcohol. Hey, we're just glad they're breathing and they're walking in the doors. If you'd have been raised the way they were raised, you'd turn out exactly like them. And I'm glad that we have a lot of grace here. I don't think we have a lot of Pharisees in our church, but I'm just saying, don't be surprised when sinners act like sinners. Don't be surprised when a marriage has an issue or a child breaks a parent's heart. It just comes with baggage. When you get saved when you're 40 and 45 and your kids are almost raised, it's going to be hard. When you're bringing in my kids and your kids and our kids and, and then someone else's kids were raising, it gets hard. When you get saved when you're 30 or 40 or 50, there's a lot of past that the devil keeps bringing up and tries to discourage you with. There's addictions and there's scars and there's sad memories. But Paul, by the grace of God, was led to Corinth to start a church in that wicked city. And so what's it mean here? Number one, overcome the baggage. Overcome the baggage. Number two, you've got a plan to grow. Notice here, please, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, give you this, and I know we have to hurry. Uh, and I like this, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. Oh, I love it. It says, God is faithful. God is faithful. So right there in the first chapter, Paul says, hey, I just want you to know, I know you got some baggage. I know you got some issues. A Corinth is a wicked town. There's not a church on every corner. There's one church in the whole town in Corinth. What was Paul saying though? But God is faithful. That means this, the underlying issue, we have to be faithful this year. Got to be faithful. God blesses faithfulness. Uh, three to thrive, Lee Robertson used to always say, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, just be faithful. We expect it out of our mate. We expect it out of nature, the sun coming up, the sun setting and the seasons, just like clockwork. And God looks at us and says, I'm faithful. I expect you to be faithful. 
He's faithful to save, faithful to rescue, faithful to hear our prayers. God wants us to be faithful. We have to make plans to grow. Got to make plans. And then quickly want to say this too. We got to keep the main thing the main thing. So Paul here in chapter 1, he's teaching these people right away. Look in verse 17. He says, for Christ sent me not to baptize. So Paul's not majoring on baptizing. He says, but to preach the gospel. There's some churches that teach falsely. You have to be baptized to be saved. That's wrong. Paul said, I didn't major on baptizing. He said, but preaching the gospel. Verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified. So he just puts it up front. He says, the reason we started this church was not as a social club. It's not just to teach you the Bible and entertain you. The underlying foundation of this church is to get the good news out. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Let me encourage you this year, be a soul winner. Man, we finally got these new tracks and they're awesome. I just love them. In fact, I was paying some bills today and I put one of these in every single bill. That's what they get for wanting my money. Well, are they going to be offended? Yeah, I hope they send a check back. <laughs> you want to be a soldier? Carry these tracts. Leave them places. Leave them with tips. Uh, give them to neighbors. Hey, I know I've talked to you before, but I never gave you the new one here. Okay, just a thought. Let me see. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? You remember the question? Q&A. And he said, well, there's two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So there's two. He said, on these two hang all the law and all the prophets. So every command falls on those two. Loving God and loving people. How would you do that? Walk with God and witness to people. If that's the two biggest commands, you ready? Comma here. I wonder what the two biggest sins are. Is it homosexuality? Is it murder? Is it abortion? Is it lust? Is it turning your back on your country? What would be the two biggest sins? Love God with all your heart? Walk with God? Witness to people? So maybe the two biggest sins would be not walking with God and not witnessing to people. Just a thought. Let's keep moving here. Got to keep the main thing the main thing. Quickly, and I love this. Look down please in verse 26. Be in awe of who God surprisingly saves and uses. 1 Corinthians 1.26. I love these two verses. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise. He doesn't say not any. He says not many. There's always going to be a Jerry Pertell out there, this real smart engineer that was blowing up flying saucers when he was a kid. Not many wise And then he says, after the flesh, not many mighty, not a lot of bodybuilders like me would be serving the Lord. Not many noble or like 
politically correct and, and just sharp and, and like a movie star. He says, God doesn't use a lot of those. And I've seen through the years some people that God has used. A D.L. Moody with an eighth grade education. He said, I'm not worthy to teach Sunday school. I don't know this book enough. I'll hire a Sunday school teacher. And he cleaned out a bar on Saturday night, filled it with kids, a thousand kids. Abraham Lincoln came to one of his services one time as Moody would reach those kids for Christ. Who did God use? He used a Billy Sunday who, whose dad was killed in the war. Billy was an orphan and he played baseball. God used him. Who did he use? He used uh, J. Frank Norris, whose dad was a horse thief. And a guy came to shoot his daddy and Norris jumped out in front of his dad and he took the bullet and was paralyzed for many years and God healed him. Who does God use? He uses a stuttering Uncle Bud Robinson who stuttered so much they could barely hear what he said when he preached. He uses a Christmas Evans who lost his eye in a fight. A Carl Hatch who was a drunk. He uses a Dan Carr that was poor and didn't have an education. He uses a John Newton who worked on a slave ship. God saved him and he wrote a song called Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. Who's God used? Uh, he reaches down and he, he pulls a guy out of a professional wrestling career named Cain who fought the Undertaker and Hulk Hogan and all those guys. And he saved him and now he's the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee. Seven foot tall. I met him. Uh, he... He follows me on. No, he doesn't follow me. I love the church and I'm just about done. A church was having a business meeting years ago and they, they said, okay, let's uh, read, uh, uh, read the church minutes and uh, report what our church has done for God this year. And they went through everything and they found out one soul got saved all year. All year in this church's ministry. And there's a little boy named Bobby Moffat. I think he was six years of age and he was very, very small. They called him Wee Bobby Moffat. And during the business meeting, they said, uh, We didn't have any conversions this year. Oh, excuse me. Oh, except for Wee Bobby Moffat. He got saved. Wee Bobby Moffat. Well, that Wee Bobby Moffat grew up and he became a missionary. And was the first aggressive soul winning missionary to go to Africa. He started opening up mission stations and reaching the Africans. He came back to the States and was lecturing in universities. And he said, on a clear day, I can see the smoke of a thousand villages that have never one time heard the name Jesus Christ. One of the students said, it won't be that way tomorrow. And his name was David Livingston. Livingston went to Africa because a wee Bobby Moffat later on married his daughter and became the great missionary. That's who God uses. You say, how come? Verse 29, and we're done. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Why does God use the nobodies and those who are just kind of in the backwoods? Why does he reach down and use normal people? Because that way God gets all the glory. I believe we are in a strategic location here in Napa. 
I believe from all around the world. Uh, you travel a little bit. Everybody's heard of Napa. I'd never heard of it until I moved here, Carol. Never even heard of it. Someone says, you know where you're moving? I said, never heard of the place. Is that Napa or Napa? Napal? Something like that. Is it two Ps or one? I, I, don't, I just moved here. People say, you live where? We want this city not known for the wine. We want it known for the wisdom that comes out of this book, God's word and salvation. What an opportunity we have. God can take a nobody and turn them into a somebody through him. Why? It's all him. Why is this church here? This church shouldn't even be here. It's just a miracle of God. Uh, you and I just being here and saved, it's a miracle of God. Paul, God used him to start a church in a wicked town so God would get a lot of glory. I hope that we'll do that and go forward this year. Father, bless now this time. Thank you for your faithfulness. I pray that you would help us get past baggage, help us be faithful this year, and help us to realize, yes, you can use us and you can change us. I just pray you would help us. Help us be patient with people that are growing Help them when they're discouraged and they fail or get weary. I pray you would help us and uh, not expect too much and be shocked if anybody makes it and praise your name because of it. Please help us this week.